At Alina Health, it's our mission to provide exceptional care, prevent illness, restore health, and provide comfort to all people in our community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole, with the WellCast. You may hear some people say that pain is all in your head, but healthcare and mental health providers would agree that this is an obsolete philosophy, and just because you can't see pain doesn't mean that you can't treat it. My guest today is Dr. Kate hennessy Kymig. She's a psychologist at Alina Mental Health United Outpatient Clinic. Welcome to the show, Dr. hennessy Kymig. Tell us a little bit about chronic pain. How does it differ from acute pain, and why do some people have trouble believing people are in pain? Well, the differences um, between chronic pain and acute pain sometimes can be kind of subtle. The common feeling in the pain community is that chronic pain occurs when something happens in the nervous system that causes those pain pathways that transmit pain sensations to become oversensitized. And so patients might be experiencing a pain response to a stimuli that we might not normally see as painful. It differs from acute pain in that when we hurt ourselves, typically with acute pain, it's kind of mechanical. We smash our thumb with a hammer and it hurts where we hit it. Maybe it goes on and it hurts for a while, but it's time limited. It gets better. With chronic pain, it's pain that goes on and on in duration beyond the expected healing period. It might not be localized. And while originally there might have been an injury to a specific place, that might not be the place that keeps hurting. And it may not be the kind of thing where, like, if you break your leg, you shouldn't move it for a while. But with chronic pain, a lot of times if the provider has diagnosed chronic pain, they'll say the best thing you can do is keep moving so that people don't have that downward spiral of being inactive and isolated and deconditioned. And one of the reasons why it's really hard for my patients with chronic pain is a lot of times it is invisible. And so other people around them, their family members, their associates, even sometimes their caregivers, can't really see what's happening. And so that makes it really hard. And sometimes you can't discover exactly why it's happening. Well, that's my next question is, so what are some of the causes of chronic pain? And as an exercise physiologist, doctor, I'm, I, I have people with back problems and they have chronic pain from various places and we don't always know what it's from. How do you even determine where it comes from? Well, a lot of times that can be really difficult because while it can be triggered by an injury or it can be triggered by a medical procedure, it can be because of a de- degenerative process like I would imagine a lot of people that you see, side effects from medication. We have people that have ongoing chemo pain, or it can be neuropathic pain like people with diabetes. But we really may not know what sets it off in some conditions. I know I have patients that are very frustrated because they keep going to specialist after specialist, and nobody can say, well, you know, this is really the cause. And yet we know that their pain is real pain, and they are truly suffering from it. And sometimes it seems like it moves around, and that gets very frustrated, frustrating for them as well as sometimes for their providers. Is there a way to measure someone's level of pain? I mean, besides asking them, is your pain a 9 or a 10, or is there actually anything to monitor that pain level? Well, it, it gets tricky because pain is perceptive, and, you know, my, my 8 might be somebody else's 4, So there is actually a pain scale that the chronic pain providers tend to like. It takes that 1 to 10 scale, but it puts some little qualifiers on it, 
like if pain is from one to three, well, it's there, but it doesn't really bother me. Or if it's a four or five, it bothers me, but I can handle it. If it's a six or a seven, it's really intrusive and it's interfering with my life. And if it's higher than a seven, I can't think about anything else. And so by being able to put some of those qualifiers on it, it makes it a little bit easier for the patient as well as the provider to understand it. And what we find is with a lot of people who come to us for treatment of chronic pain, they're kind of consistently six or above. It's really intrusive. They can't think about anything else. And our hope by treating the the chronic pain or by helping people learn to manage it, rather, that we can get them down to maybe below that six. It can bother them. It's there. It's not going away, but they can still handle it. Are there certain factors that make a person more susceptible? As you said, it's really subjective. And if certain people feel more pain than others, some women can have a baby without any kind of an epidural, and some women absolutely ask for it at the first little sign of labor. So is there any factor that makes a person more susceptible than another? Well, I don't know that there's one particular factor, but as you said, it's it's an um an experience that is both sensory and emotional, and we all have different pain tolerances for various reasons. People's emotional um, relationship with pain can certainly have an impact on the way they experience pain. And then there's also all of the lifestyle things. I talk with my patients a lot about having an energy budget, just like we have our checking account, and that if you have chronic pain, it's like having a daily automatic withdrawal from your energy budget. And you know, we all know what happens if we overdraw our accounts, we get in trouble. So in addition to kind of that automatic withdrawal, there are things that people can do or that they have habits of mind that either take from or add to what we bring to the table to deal with our pain. Things like fatigue and stress and changes in the weather and people's level of self-care and their coping skills and their support level and their relational stressors and all of those kinds of things can absolutely contribute to how well people are managing pain, which is really a lot of what I deal with as a psychologist with people with pain is not so much trying to reduce the pain itself, because that may not be possible, at least by me, but by attending to all of those other factors, we can reduce the suffering that they're experiencing. Now, we've been seeing pain places, and really this is a burgeoning field in pain management, cropping up all over the country. So tell us about some of the therapy approaches that have been effective in treating chronic pain. What do you do for people that are in chronic pain? Well, my approach, obviously, is a psychological approach. And so generally, uh, my goal is to help people improve their functioning and be able to manage their pain better. And a lot of times, that is the way we do that is by helping people become more psychologically flexible, by helping them learn some coping skills that might help them accept the fact that this is chronic, it's not going to be fixed, it's not going to go away, by helping them learn to pace their life better, by not doing this all or nothing thing that a lot of people, all of us with or without chronic pain tend to do. But a lot of times patients will do the feast or famine thing. If they're having a good day, they'll just kill themselves with activity and then they'll pay for it for days. And so trying to help them either learn that skill or if there's something underlying them having trouble practicing that skill, like maybe they haven't accepted the fact that their pain is chronic um, or by working on understanding that they have to grieve and deal with some of the emotions that go with it. A lot of my personal experience, um, my personal approach is based on mindfulness, which really helps people develop the ability to kind of take a little bit of a step back from their experience and not 
be so locked in just responding and reacting to every stimuli as it rises and falls, because otherwise they can become very um, psychologically rigid, which makes it even more difficult to deal with pain. And so mindfulness helps people direct their attention to chosen sensory or cognitive types of event like the breath or something that they're doing. And so they can kind of lean into the pain and lean away and refocus their attention away from either the experience itself or their emotions about the experience. So traditional approaches and alternative or integrative, as you say, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. and this is huge today. People are using mindful medicine for so many different, how, how does this help for them if they are more mindful of the pain? Do you want them to take charge of it and feel this pain and acknowledge it? Or do you want them to try and forget that it's there? Well, actually, it's not really either one of those things. It's basically being able to, what I tell people about mindfulness is it gives you an option in between either pushing something away or falling off the deep end into it, in that you can selectively direct your attention towards, say, for example, your breath, and you're following your breath, and then you notice that you're distracted, you go back to the breath. Over time, this gives you the ability to kind of take a step towards something, take a step away from something. With pain, what this helps people to do is to realize that it's not the central focus of action, that they can disengage from maybe the idea that they're going to be able to fix the pain and learn to kind of live in the presence of it so that they can move toward it, they can move away from it. It gives them more of a sense of control. That's absolutely fascinating. In just the last minutes, please, doctor, tell us a little bit more about your chronic pain management group. Well, the group is a six-week group. It focuses exactly on the things we've been talking about. It is totally mindfulness-based. I teach the mindfulness skills to the patients. We do a practice every week. I ask them to practice at home. It also gives them an opportunity to share how things are going in their life. We talk about things like pacing and staying in the present moment and self-care and support and self-management acceptance, grief and loss, all of those things that people are dealing with, as well as just lifestyle things that might help manage pain better. And people who've attended the group have indicated that that's been really helpful to them, as well as the fact that they have group support. They're in a room with other people who actually really do get it. And a lot of times being in chronic pain is very isolating for people. And so having that opportunity to just share with other people that are going through similar experiences is very powerful. It's such great information. Thank you so much, Dr. Kate Hennessy-Keimig, a psychologist at Alina Mental Health United Outpatient Clinic. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.